0: friends from far away podcasting presents ill will ill will is a horror anthology podcast written and directed by keegan Vanderwicken. ill will may contain themes and topics not suitable for all audiences listener discretion is advised (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, It has now been four weeks since my last visit from Samuel, and in the meantime, I have subsequently spoken to many spirits, all in need of attention and demanding to be heard. Only a handful have been even slightly helpful, so today, I will be mixing it up. Let's start with... I need to speak to people one at a time. Good. Now, let's hear from someone who has had an encounter with my brother within the past year. Excellent. Now, you with the glasses. Let's start with you. And please, state your name for the recording. The time is currently 6 o'clock in the evening. My name is Fred Wheatley. And when I was alive, I had a run-in with your brother. I worked an office job and constantly had issues with back pain. I seeked help to deal with it from normal doctors and eventually was convinced to give less traditional medicine a try. I found that the only thing that could help ease my pain was when I went to a mixture of a chiropractor and spa. It had a strange name which was what had drawn my attention to it in the first place. Misty Mountain Spring. Sounded exotic and I soon found that I had booked an appointment. My first time at the place was a short meeting in their main foyer, and I met with the receptionist, who smiled at me the whole time, asking me to specifically list and point out my pained and troubled areas. And afterward, I was taken to the fitting room, where it took my exact measurements and presented me with a tailored robe. I then had a physical examination, and seemed to have been prodded and probed everywhere. They even took my weight, height, and a sample of my blood to determine my blood type. I went along with everything as their website had made perfectly clear that they took pride in being thorough to provide the ultimate personal experience. At the end of my first day, I met the lady who would be my specialist. Her name was Alex. The next time I found myself at Missy Mountain Spring, I discovered that when they said she was my specialist, they were not kidding as soon as I stepped through the doors, I was guided to the changing rooms where I discovered a personal robe and slippers had been placed. She instructed me to dress to my comfort level, and once I had emerged with only the soft robe on my body, I was presented with a cup of espresso, made to my personal preference, with half and half cream and exactly two and a half shots of vanilla bean flavoring. Even more to my surprise was the fact that Alex had also de-robed to the same point as I, so that both of us stood bare-toed on the soft floor with our robes on. Before I could ask why she was also undressed, Alex asked if the coffee was to my liking, and I assured her it, in fact, was exactly how I prefer it. I was shown into a side door and found myself in a non-illuminated hallway. I was guided to a seat, and a warm towel was placed on my face, and my feet placed in a tub of warm water. I felt a tickling sensation, and when I asked what it was, Alex whispered to me that they were Gararufa. Small fish native to the Middle East that eat the dead skin away from any area of your body submerged in their tank. I enjoyed it immensely and was slowly laid down in my chair and left to the calming sounds of piano music and trickling water. As time continued, I realized the chair must be in the tank itself as the water level slowly rose from my feet to my shins and stopped just at my knees. Right as I was beginning to worry that the chair was actually falling into the tank with the fish, I heard a rustling of the curtain and Alex's smooth voice spoke from behind me, asking how I was enjoying the experience so far. I confirmed it was indeed nice and soon found myself not worried by the fish anymore, but instead focusing on Alex's voice. She had begun to sing a soft and haunting melody that tickled my brain in a funny way, the same tickling sensation when I listened to those ASMR sleep aid videos. After a time, the towel was removed from my head, and I was led from the pond, or pool, and the chair, and through another curtained area. I saw a massage table illuminated with soft orange lights, and was directed to lay on that table. As I did, Alex came and presented a bowl of scented oil under my face, the aroma of which smelled like eucalyptus and peppermint. As I took in the smell, my robe was slowly taken off of me, and the massage began. It was gentle, and yet Alex's hands were firm. I don't know how to explain it better than this. She would squeeze the perfect amount. In each area of my body, she would grab my skin and muscles and press soft at first, building up pressure until I almost wanted to scream in pain. Then she would release, and my body would relax. The massage always started with the legs and feet, then went from my shoulders to the tips of my fingers, and finally my neck and back would be worked on. After a time, my entire body seemed to have melted, and I was completely at ease. This is when Alex would speak again, and announce that she would now be positioning me and aligning my spine to be correct. Without fail, before I could agree or protest, I would feel pressure in my back, and the pain would come flooding in, making me pass out to the soothing smell of peppermint and eucalyptus. When I woke up, it would be from Alex kindly whispering in my ear, and saying I did an amazing job, and we made so much progress this day. I would then take a hot shower, redress myself, and meet the receptionist out front again to schedule a new appointment for the following month. I only missed a single appointment. Work had gotten crazy, and I was not able to have sat- that Saturday off for my normal appointments, and I missed it, and oh how I felt the next day. I thought I was going to die. It was as though all the pain from my back had been put on pause and came crashing back down on me. I was thankfully able to schedule an appointment for the following Saturday, but that week was my own personal hell. I continued going to Misty Mountain Spring for many years. I always met with Alex, and the last time I went to therapy, everything started off well enough. The receptionist was smiling wide as ever, and my robe was ready for me as I anticipated. As the warm towel was placed on my face and the fish began nibbling at my toes, I felt all my worries melt away. I was led to the back room and, as always, lay down to the familiar smell that promised sweet pain relief. Alex whispered to me that she was going to begin and, as normal, she started with my legs and feet. As she finished the left leg before she could even begin on the right, she expressed an apology and said she needed to step out for a moment. I felt the soft robe placed on my back once more and I heard the curtain slide to the side as she left. I continued to be left alone with my own thoughts as I let the smell of the oil wash over me. When the curtain brushed to the side again, I saw not the cute bare toes of Alex, but instead some ugly and worn combat boots. Before I could lift myself up to see who was in the room with me, a rough voice spoke aloud, telling me to remain where I was and not make a sound. Before I could speak to protest, I felt a sharp object poke into my side. That hushed me up for good, and I lay silently in the room. I faced down in the cushion, only able to see the bowl of oil and combat boots to my left indicating that this individual was somewhat crouched and hiding, waiting for something to happen. I suddenly became aware of being extremely tired. I tried again to speak, but realized I couldn't. This scared me more than the thing poking into my side. In my sudden panic, I tried to force myself to sit up, only to realize I couldn't move. Not only that, I could no longer feel the sharper object in my side. I was able to let out a muffled moan, and the voice harshly spoke to me again from the darkness. He told me to be silent as he assessed the situation. He was still trying to gauge whether it was only feeding or if it had started nesting nearby. If being unable to move or scream was scary, being told that something unseen was closing in on you was terrifying. I mustered all the strength I had and flipped myself onto my side to get a look at my assailant. To my surprise... Face I saw did not match the voice. It was soft, childlike, incredibly pale by, by all means, but not the face that I would assume would belong to a voice like that. I was able to finally look away from his face and look down to see that he had a strange device of some sort pointed at my stomach. It beeped twice, and he gave a nod, as though it had answered some question he had. Before I could ask what was happening, the boy had flipped the device away into his leather jacket, and put a flask up to my lips. I drank. I don't know why or what it was, but it seemed to be working, as soon I found myself in control of my faculties again. It was gradual, but soon I could feel and move. I asked him what was going on, and he motioned a hand to his lips and whispered that I must have been stung by a venom. It should be fine in a few moments. He had reason to believe a monster was building a nest here and trying to prepare me as a new host. I was not sure how to interpret this information, but before I could ask him more, he cut me off, asking if I could walk. I confirmed this, and he assisted me out of the curtain room, and we entered the familiar pool, where I always would decompress my mind before a session. I was shocked to see it illuminated. I was able to see what was happening in this room, what was actually inside the pools of water that I too often would frequent. The pools were full, not of fish as I had expected, but instead contained worms. Large, mouthless, and blind worms that clustered to the edge of the pool near where I stood. The worms desperately reached out to taste my flesh once more. I remembered exclaiming how disgusting the worms looked, and instead of agreeing with me, the boy had simply stared at me quizzically before letting me know they were actually larvae, not worms. Before I could laugh or otherwise react to the absurdity of that statement, the boy, y- your brother, I presume, grabbed my head and shone a flashlight in my face, looking intently at my eyes. After a moment, he flicked the light off and asked me how long I had been coming here. I let him know almost three years to the day, I think that was the wrong answer. He didn't look me in the eye anymore, but instead turned away. He said it was too late for me, and that they probably had already started to pupate. He asked if I wanted a swift death. I thought I had misheard him, and asked him to repeat himself, and when he turned back to face me, he was holding a sharp machete. He must have been it from the inside of his jacket. I was too afraid to move, yet everything, every fiber in my being, was telling me to run. No, it wasn't just my own instincts. It was something else. Other voices inside me were telling me to run. Before I could make up my mind, my body began moving on its own. I leapt into the pool of water, and those many, many hungry worms bit into me. I didn't register it before that moment, but when the worms were eating my flesh in the past, it was not enjoyable. It actually hurt badly. My attention was brought back to the worms, and I began pulling them off myself. I realized this time I had gotten in the pool without first having a cup of ex- of espresso. If they had drugged me with the oils, who knew what else they had put in my drink? I was splashing around and making a lot of noise, and as I turned back to where the boy had been standing a moment before, I could not see him. I was preparing to call out when I heard the familiar voice of Alex. She was standing on the opposite end of the pool with her arms outstretched to either side. I heard the voices calm down, and I got closer to her. I saw she was still wearing the soft robe, but something was wrong. I hesitated to grab her outstretched hand, and she asked me what was the matter. It was at that moment that I realized. As she had entered the room, the worms in the pool had all backed away from me. They now stretched out to her instead of myself. Some of them actually were leaping from the water to land on her legs. No, not her legs. Even in the bright lights, I could not make out the shape of her body under the bathrobe. The only shape I could see would be her outstretched arms and her smiling face, a face that was slowly slipping off. I couldn't turn away as the massive worms in the pool pulled itself out and crawled underneath her bathrobe. She didn't react, it didn't show any indication that the worms were definitely touching her, biting her, burrowing into her skin. Instead, she again held out her hand for me to grab. I recoiled away from her outstretched arm as worms consumed it. They bore into her flesh as though it was papier-mâché, and as her arms were consumed, the face finally fell off. I turned away and began wading through the pool to get distance between myself and her. I found myself moving slowly as my own bathrobe had been weighed down by the water. I heard a loud splash as Alex got in behind me. I reached the edge of the pool and pulled myself out, only to feel a tight grip on my leg. As she touched my leg, I felt my stomach clench and something inside me moved. I was turned around and found myself unable to look away from the mass of creeping tubes compressing around what used to be Alex's body. They were expanding outward and wrapping around my leg now as well. I screamed as more of the worms dug into my skin. I clawed them out trying to tear myself free. That is when your brother stepped in. He sliced off the arm of Alex with one swing of his machete, the same machete he had threatened me with earlier. His face was now covered with a damp towel, and as Alex retreated from his flailing machete, I was able to crawl away. I hid in the massage room where I had been drugged for what now felt like an eternity ago. I heard terrible splintering and water splashing, and after a short time, I heard the steps of Boots approaching. Your brother was fine, breathing heavily and looking angry as ever, but fine. He forced me to my feet and sat me at the edge of the pool. There was a dark bile on the ground, splattered all about. The chair I would lay in every week was now torn to shreds. The worms remained in the water once again. Still a moving mass, but no sign of Alex. I asked him what had happened. and His response still cracks me up. Pest control. I don't know why. I thought it was funny. Anyway, he then explained that she had gone away. He asked me to wait here while he got some supplies from his car, and I obliged. I sat staring at the worms still in the water, and soon enough, he came back with his arms full of chemicals, mainly bleach and ammonia. Before I could ask what it was for, he popped the lids off the bottles and poured the substances into the small pool at the center of the room. As the chemicals mixed and created a gas, the worms began to apparently combust. They acted as though on fire and a dark smoke emitted from their bodies. We sat in silence, with the only sound being made was when your brother would scrape another worm from the ground and toss it back into the water. Finally, he pulled his machete from a pile of towels and apologized to me again, saying that it was too late for me. I had already been infected. Looking at his face, I could tell he honestly meant it. He asked me if I had any last wishes, and I asked him to tell my family that I had not abandoned them. He assured me he would. Then he ended my life. Now, as far as I know, the only reason I am still here is because I have some sort of unfinished business. I assisted you with finding your brother. I would greatly appreciate it if you could write a letter to my family. Maybe then I can finally rest. <clears throat> hmm. Time is now 6:18 Right um I am ready for the next next spirits Anyone who's had an encounter with my brother please step forward well, That's strange Okay, then that case I guess I will go ahead and give this a listening to and we will resume afterwards.